0: Pursuit is proportional to love. Pursuit is proportional to love. I remember when I met my wife Hannah a few years ago, eight years ago, I saw her and I was like, ooh, what's up, girl? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm old school. I did something old school when I met her. I actually talked to her in person. I just, oh, it's cool. I didn't have to hit her up on Facebook, Instagram. Like I didn't, I talked to her in person and and I started to get to know her and I was like, man, I I wanna marry this girl. Like I started to pursue her. Uh, Here are some things I used to do because I wasn't really in her life. I needed her to notice me. Uh, And so I would do stuff like this. Um, I would set an alarm on my phone to go off the same day, same time every week. And you know how we have the 1002 alarm? Well, this one was like, hey, text Hannah alarm, right? And it just went off. And I was like, what's up, girl? What you up to? Like, and I was just being consistent in her life. This is us when we, like, barely just started dating. Look at this awkward side hug. Like, I can't, I don't even know how to touch her right there. Just, and so I, I would do this, and uh, I would get to know her, and I would, I would take notes. Anytime she told me something about her, I would take notes. I had a file on my phone that said, "Hannah, Like, I wanted to know her. Pursuit is proportional to love. And then I got to the point where I decided I'm going to trick her into going on a date with me. I did it. Some of you single men, you better take notes right now. I'm about to help you. Like this is how I tricked Hannah. I would invite Hannah to group events like ice skating that I knew she was busy and couldn't make it. Like, I would do that. i am like, hey, you want to go ice skating? She's like, ah, I got this work thing. And she would say, maybe next time. And I'm like, gotcha, right there. Because what we would do is we take pictures, whatever, i will post it. And a few days later I'd say, hey, we missed you. Wish you could have come. You owe me. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sucker. Right? Just, and I was like, let's go. And it was just at that time was me and her. It's was just me and her going ice skating. Now, Hannah would tell me, like, in a way that this was not a date. She did it in a very uh, female assertive way by saying, this is not a date. <laughs> she goes, don't be paying for me and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, girl, it's fine. We're just hanging out as friends, right? Um, and so we get there, and she's like, you know, we get to the ice skating rink. She's like, this is not a date. Don't pay for me. I'm like, okay, I got you, you know. But I got chocolate bear charm. I was like, this is going to be my wife. I'm going to get her. And so we get up to the line of cashier, and I, I just, I pulled out all the smooth tricks, guys. Like, we get up there, and the cashier goes, so one ticket or two tickets. And before we, she answered, I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? She's like, yeah, what's up? I was like, this beautiful girl right here had made it very clear that this is not a date and that I should not pay for her. But wouldn't you think it's a good idea that I be a gentleman and bless her with a ticket to this ice skating rink? That lady across the counter looked at Hannah and goes, honey, if the man want to pay, let him pay. Got it. And so we did ice cream. I would do all this different stuff all the time. We would go to the movies, and uh, I would I would show up two hours early to the movie because I'm going to date myself. You have to buy uh, movie tickets back in the day actually at the kiosk. You remember that? Yeah, you have to show up, wait in line. So she would be like, this is not a date. We're going to movies. But this is not a date. Don't pay for me. I said, okay. And I would show up two hours early, buy the tickets. She would come up. Hey. Well, uh, how much, you know, is it going to be? I'm like, oh, I already got it, girl. And she, she gave me the look like, oh, I know what you're trying to do here. <laughs> Pursuit is proportional to love. That's how I pursued Hannah before marriage. Can I just say, we've been married uh, going on seven years, and I still pursue Hannah even more to this day. Like, y'all saw, y'all saw the music video. Y'all saw it. But how many of you guys know pursuit love will make you do some foolish stuff? It will make you do some foolish things. Like you guys saw the music video and, you know, it's like, wow, that was romantic, maybe, you know. But what you didn't see is me going to Target trying to find my first pair of white jeans. I never bought white jeans in my life. Like here I am in the mirror at Target trying to look up. Like, I, I was on YouTube, like, what did the Insync and Backstreet Boys look like back in the day? And I was like, let me mimic that, you know? And I just looked ridiculous at Target. You guys see me playing the piano and all that and the fog. And, what you didn't see, the, un, the unedited version, is me coughing up a storm, like, what? You know, just, it's like, golly, stop, bro. But more importantly, what you didn't see, because love will make you do some foolish things, Right? What you didn't see as I'm on the waterfall, singing my heart out, right, falling into the pool, getting up, whipping my hair, the waterfall. What you didn't see over here to my right were 20 grown men <laughs> working on the trees and landscape yard. And you would think they got a time limit. They got a quota. You would think that these men would be like, uh. Oh, That guy is crazy, we'll get back to work. Nope, these dudes dropped everything they were doing, was watching me just sing. They're talking to each other, they're pointing, they're laughing, I might be on TikTok, I don't even know, because they were like recording, like they were doing all this stuff. And can I just be honest, I don't speak Spanish, but I knew what they were saying about me. You know, I knew it. Pursuit is proportional to love. Today, we're continuing our series, United as One. And I have the privilege, honor, of talking about United as One in your home and in your marriage. And if there's anything you get today, is that pursuit is proportional to love. But I need to clarify before I go another step. I need to clarify what love is. Ready? Love is a choice. I need to clarify that. Love is a choice. It's a willed emotion. Why do I say this? Because there's no such thing as falling and tripping into love. You don't just be like, oops, there I go. Now I'm in love, butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. Like that just doesn't happen. I say that because there's also no such thing as you tripping and accidentally falling out of love. Love is a choice. So if pursuit is proportional love, love is a choice that also means pursuit is a choice. How you pursue is not based on emotion, it's based on whether you choose to or not. And so today as we talk about marriage, can I just be real with you guys? I understand how difficult of a task this is today. I know that. When I was praying for this message, I this is this is going to be one of the most difficult tasks that I've ever had to do on this platform. Here's the reason why. In this room, there's a wide range of people, backgrounds, situations, and stories. In this very room, I'm not talking about last service or next service. In 1045 service, there are people in this room with marriages that are on the rocks, struggling, struggling. Going through tough times, trials. I understand that, and I'm burdened for that. I also know in the same room, sitting right here, there's people who are married. They have a good marriage. It's great. Everything's going well. I know that there's people in here that maybe even in your marriage situation, possibly currently separated, have separated, maybe even divorced. In this same room, I know that there's people in here who are single, waiting to be married, waiting for that day. And then there are a few people that I truly love who are in here that were once married, but their spouse is no longer on this earth, and they are widowed. And I have 20 minutes to talk to all of y'all about marriage. It's difficult. I get it. But here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. As I look through the lens of marriage, I pray that no matter what category you, in, you are in, you get something. Might not get everything, but get something. If you're single, divorced, married, widowed, going through a rough time, get something today. That's my prayer. And so today we're going we're to go to Luke chapter 19. Now... This is gonna be the most interesting approach to marriage that you have ever heard. Because we're gonna look at the story of Zacchaeus. Some of y'all like, was Zacchaeus married? I don't know, he don't say it. But why I wanna look at Zacchaeus? Because if we understand how he pursued Jesus, maybe he'll give us a glimpse of how we need to pursue God, but also how we need to pursue our spouse. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke is in the New Testament. Luke is the gospel account of Jesus' life through the eyes of Luke. Okay. And in verse 19 it says this. Or 19, chapter 19, verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Let me just stop right here. Let me break it down of what's going on. There's this guy named Zacchaeus and he's a... Tax collector. Now, you know nothing about tax collectors back in the day. Tax collectors worked for the government. They would obviously collect the taxes that was owed. But here's what they would do. They would overtax people. They would charge more. And that excess, they would keep for themselves. So they were greedy people. But no one liked them because they charged more. They're like, man, you're robbing me of this. But not just that. Those who were tax collectors weren't Romans. They were actually Jewish people overtaxing their own people. So there was betrayal that was happening. But check this. It says that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the dude in charge. People did not like him. And it says he was rich. This is why I love this story about marriage. Because Zacchaeus, being a tax collector and rich, probably had everything that he ever needed. He had all the money, had all the possessions, had all the stuff, all the houses. Probably not the cars because they didn't have cars back then, okay. He had all this stuff but was still missing something. He had it all but still felt empty. And as it relates to marriages, this is one I need to clarify because I think we always miss this. Marriage was never intended to fill a void in your life. It was never intended for that. Yes, God made a helper for a perfect fit, but never to fill a void. That's Jesus' role. And oftentimes we put this unrealistic expectation on our spouse that God never intended it to be. We expect him to fill a void. We always say, that's my better half. But that's not biblical. That's not. Scripture says two became one. Not 50% became 100. Two became one. A good marriage is not Two, two 50% people coming together bring 100. It's two people bringing 100 of who they are in Jesus whole into the marriage. Verse 3 says this. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was a wee little man. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. To see him, for he was going to pass that way. So, we got this guy, Zacchaeus. He's rich, he's got it all, but he's still missing something. And he hears about this guy named Jesus that could fulfill everything that he's ever wanted. And what does he do? He runs. Now, for us, that's not a big deal. Back in that culture, that was not a common practice to run. Praise Jesus, right? now, I'm like, (laughs) I don't feel like running. It's not common practice, okay? No. But when you run, it shows humility. It shows desperation. This guy was a rich dude, even more so. It's like, why is he running? It shows eagerness. And then he climbs up onto a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now, this happened years ago. If today I saw someone climb up on a tree... That boy crazy. That boy crazy. Like, he, what are you doing, right? Think about that. Rich has a reputation, left all his dignity as soon as he starts climbing up a tree. Zacchaeus literally got rid of his reputation to get a glimpse of the Messiah. See, because oftentimes love will make you look foolish. I say this, oftentimes your pursuit will look different to those who don't understand. It will look different. you are be like, what? Let me just take your relation with Jesus. To an outside world, our relationship with God looks crazy. Think about it. I don't know if you grew up in church so you don't think about these kind of things, but to an outside world that's never been churched, what you mean you come in and worship and sing songs? What? That's because they don't know who Jesus is. They don't understand. What do you mean you devote time, prayer, you go to church, you go to small, why would you do that? It looks different to those who don't understand. What do you mean you give and sacrifice? It looks different to an outside world. This is true with your relationship with your spouse. And when you're in love, you do do some foolish things and it looks different to a lot of people. What do you mean you make a music video for your wife? You don't have to go that extreme. But what do you mean you devote time to go on date nights with your spouse? What do you mean you buy her gifts even though it's not Valentine's Day? That was a hint to some guys in here. What do you mean you serve her, serve him? That's weird. Oftentimes, your pursuit looks different to those who don't understand. But can I clarify real quick? The opposite is true, too. Your lack of pursuit reveals how much you really love. Your lack of pursuit of Jesus shows how much you really love him. But spouses, your lack of pursuit of your spouse reveals how much you really love your spouse. Verse 5 says this. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Look at verse 6. This is really important. Really. Watch this. Ready? So he made haste and came down. Profound. Y'all are like, I don't get it. Zacchaeus in the tree. Jesus says, make haste, come down. Zacchaeus said, okay, and came down. Y'all still not getting it. Check this. Pursuit takes action, not just desire. Pursuit takes action, not just desire. Let me break it down even more simply. You could want and desire a healthy relationship with Jesus. But if you never do anything about it, that's all that is, is desire. You can want to be a worshiper. But if all it is is desire, but you never actually do anything like worship, you won't get it. You can want to be someone who is generous, but if you don't do anything, you can't just be praying, man, I really hope I'm a, that I get to spend time with the Lord today. No, no, you got to actually spend time with the Lord. Yes. Pursuit takes action, not just desire. Same thing in your marriage. Pursuit takes action. You can't just say, man, I hope I have a good marriage. You can't just be like, wake up like, man, today... I'm really praying I have a good marriage. But never do anything about it. It takes action. Chris Campbell, who oftentimes does a lot of our our marriage counseling, says this. He goes, he'll go into a counseling session and he'll wait to see who is going to do something. Because the truth is, both parties, husband and wife, usually are waiting for the other spouse to make the first move. To make it right. You can't just want reconciliation. You got to put action to reconciliation. Yeah. I'll even say this. Let's not fall for the trap that thinking that proximity equals presence. What do I mean by that? Just because you live in the same house don't mean that you are present with your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're around them doesn't mean your relationship's going to be great. Just because you're, yeah, we live together. We sleep in the same bed. Good for you. That doesn't mean anything. Verse 7. But when he saw it, they all complained. All the haters came out, right? Saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Not only was Zacchaeus ready to obey, but this shows me that when you love something or someone, you sacrifice for it. He didn't just, oh, this is how much I charge, let me give it back. He said, let me give four times more back. He pretty much said, I'll go broke for the sake of love. He loved Jesus so much that he sacrificed for it. This is a tough one, I'll be honest. This is a tough one to, to understand. I say understand, but really to put into action. To say, I will sacrifice for the sake of my love for Jesus or my love for my spouse. It's tough. See, because we know, right, we know this, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time, that God made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He sent down his only son for us to be a replacement of all, of the penalty that we deserve. He did that for us. Ultimate sacrifice. But you know that comes with a cost? Do you know that it comes with a cost? That Because he sacrificed, now we have to sacrifice. Y'all are like, I don't know this part of the Bible. That's because it's not taught often. We think we just, oh, thanks, Jesus. Now I still live my own life. No, 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 no. When you love someone, something you sacrifice for. This is sacrificing your own life. Scripture talks about. Pick up your cross and die. That's sacrifice. Sacrifice your preference. Sacrifice your selfishness, your pride. When you love something or someone, you sacrifice for. This is true with your marriage. It's true with your marriage. I hate to say it to some people, like, I'm like, you you know you come into a marriage ready to sacrifice and surrender. What? For real? Yeah. You have to surrender your selfishness. You have to surrender your pride. You have to surrender these things. Like, Well, why would I do that? Because you love them. And love is a choice. It's not an emotion. You need to sacrifice for it. Now this is all how to pursue in a relationship, right? This is how Jesus or this is how Zacchaeus pursued. We're learning the the principles of how. Now I want us to get in the right priority of what we need to pursue. This is so important. I think we miss this in marriages. I think we miss it because we're like, uh, we 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 kind of confuse what marriage is supposed to look like. And so I'm going to go through three three things. We need to pursue in this order. Ready? Number one, really simple, above all else, pursue God. Number one, in your marriage, pursue God. Jesus said that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all will be added to you. You want a good, healthy marriage? Seek. First, the kingdom of God in these righteousness. We need to pursue God. Come on, this is a good one. It don't matter if you're single, divorced, separated, married, widowed. Of all things, pursue God. It don't matter what category you're in. Pursue him. I will talk to the married couples. Because in Ephesians 5, it does talk about the roles of a husband, the roles of a wife. In Ephesians 5, it tells husbands, love your spouse love your wife as Christ loved the church. And can I just be real, husbands? You can't love your wife as Christ loved the church if you don't know Jesus. How are you supposed to do that? Wives, it says, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, that's hard for you to do. I know because we have so taken that scripture in 2023 and said, what do you mean submit? What do you mean? Are you saying that I'm not strong enough? Listen, if you understand what it means to submit to Christ and how honoring and a blessing that is, it's not a problem to submit. Matter of fact, it takes a strong woman to be able to say, I will submit under that. But it's hard for you to do it if you don't know Jesus. We need to pursue God. Understand that marriage was an institution designed by God. So to do that apart from him is to set you up for failure. But what I really like saying is that your, your relationship with your spouse is a reflection of your relationship with God. You could tell me you have a good relationship with God. But you can show me how you do it with your spouse. And oftentimes, though, oftentimes our relationship with our spouse is a reflection of our, our relationship with God. And sometimes we only pursue our spouse when we're in trouble, an indication that we only ask God when we need help. Pursuit is way more than just saying, I need something for you, but rather, I want you. Number one, pursue God. Number two, and this is, can I just say, this second one is in priority, but it's in no comparison to number one, right? No comparison. Matter of fact, like Brian McKnight, the writer said, if you feel like you're done, go back to one, okay? So pursue God. I thought that would be a nice little joke there. Second one, pursue each other. Pursue each other. Don't stop pursuing each other after you say, I do. See, I think the problem is oftentimes we treat the starting line like the finish line, even in our relationship with Jesus. Like just because you said, God, I surrender my life, that's not the end. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just the beginning. It's the same thing when you say, I do. You say, I do on that wedding day. That's just the beginning of your love and pursuit after your spouse. I like to talk through, because my management, well, how do I pursue? How do I pursue my spouse? I'll give you some practicals. They're not all of them, but this is some that I wrote down. How can you pursue your spouse? Time. Time. Just remember when you first pursued them. How much time? You mean you stayed up late? No, you hang up. 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 Right? Just spend time. But if they are important, put a mechanism in place to help you prioritize your time. Set your schedule to have consistent regular date nights. Just you. And them. If you got zero, start with twice a month. If you got twice a month, we try to go once a week. Now, you don't have to spend a lot of money. And when you love something, you sacrifice. But you could go for a walk, something. Spend time. Talk to them. Try to find out their interests. I say you can pursue by caring. Care for one another. Like, ask them, hey... What about your interests? What's your passion about lately? Understanding your spouse is growing too since you said I do. And so they probably have different interests. Take an interest in what they're interested in. How else you can pursue? Serve your spouse. I thought I was going to get some ladies in here like amen. Ready, I'll help you. Men, do the dishes. Amen, yeah. You know, do some laundry, fold the clothes, woo. Maybe even cook. He said, nah, not me, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. He's like, I don't know how to cook. Yeah, don't serve her like that. We want you to be alive, not dead after you eat, you know. But serve. How else can you pursue your spouse? Ooh, I don't know if I should say this, Hannah. Oh, help you, I got you, ready? Intimacy. Yeah, He's like, yeah, that's the one right there. (laughs) Intimacy. Understand, all saints, God created sex for good and pleasure. Now, let me hold off, because all the husband's like, yo, that's the one right there. We got to obey the pastor right there. You go home right now. Like, yeah, we got to obey. I don't know what he said about anything else, but he said that. Before you get that way, husbands, understand that your wife is really looking for you to connect with them emotionally, spiritually, but to lead them more to Jesus. Don't have an expectation of physical intimacy if you have yet emotionally have connected with her yet. Pursue God. Pursue each other. And then last one, this is where we miss it. Pursue the calling. Here's what I want everyone to understand: that your marriage, your marriage, has a bigger purpose than just you two. It has a bigger purpose than just you two. Scripture says that they will know that you are my disciples, but how by how you love each other. That's not just at church. That's in your marriage. Love each other and pursue the calling. Make disciples. Now that I'm back in student ministry and working with teenagers, can I just be for real with you guys? I know parents are like, how do I disciple my kids? Here's the best way you can disciple your kids. Have a good marriage. Oh, trust me, I'm dealing with teenagers that have never seen what a healthy relationship looks like. And so they equate that relationship with this one. You want your kids to love Jesus? Let your marriage be a reflection of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, how you have spoken to us. God, I'm praying for everyone in here. Single. Married. Divorced. Widowed. That above all. We pursue you. God, in the next few minutes, will you do something miraculous? Like you did last service. But do something new today. Amen. Before we do something, the very end of this, I I prayed of what this will end. And we're gonna have a time to pray. Because the Bible says that my house shall be called a house of prayer. So I'm kind of like Zacchaeus, like, "Make come down, okay, come down. I'm, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time for prayer for everybody in here. But before we do that, I really felt burdened. Burdened as we talked about us pursuing God. Us pursuing Him. And our, our theme for 2023 is home sweet home. I'm burdened because I really feel like, and this happened in first service. I was kind of, ner- I was like, I don't know if I should do it, but I really felt the Lord tell me I'm going to do it this service is for somebody in here, that if they were honest, honest with themselves, talk about home sweet home, united as one. If I were to ask you for real, you probably say, no, I'm not united with God. I don't feel part of his home. Whether that be sin, rejection, that be laziness, I don't know. And you just don't have a right relationship with him. Here's what I want to tell you. First. Understand that God, Jesus, left his home to come on this earth. Sounds kind of crazy to me. Sounds kind of crazy. Like if you think about it, why would Jesus leave his home? Anybody ever ask that question? Jesus, why would you leave your home? The truth is, Jesus left his home because home wasn't the same without you being there. He wanted you and I to be there. And so Jesus, out of his love, pursued us before we even pursued him. And I'm telling you that because I'm really burdened that someone in here does not have a real relationship with God. We're talking about pursuing him. But you have yet to take the first step. So here's what I do. I want to create an opportunity for you to surrender your life and repent. Now that repent is a church work. That we say literally just means to turn 180. Turn around. Stop going your old the way you're going. Turn around, go back to Christ. Go back to your home. So you're going to do. When I count to three, if today you're in here and you're like, I want a relationship with God. I want a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to have you stand. Now, as soon as I just said that, some of y'all are like, I was going to, but now I'm not going to. Because I get it. You're like, ah, oh, that's embarrassing. Why are you trying to call me out? We're not trying to call you out for anything. Here's the reason why I want you to stand. Here's the reason. Scripture says that all heaven rejoiced when one sinner comes to repentance. So when you stand, this place is going to erupt in praise. Erupt in praise. You know why? Because all of heaven rejoice and most likely all of us have had that moment and understand what the, the decision you're making. And so we want to celebrate with you. But here's the second reason. Jesus also said that if you deny me before man on earth, I would deny you before my Father in heaven. And I don't want to set you up for that failure. Plus, if you can't stand in here with Christians and followers of Jesus, ain't no way you're standing out there. Ain't no way. But the truth is, before you even thought about taking a stand, Jesus already paid the cost. See, God saw the separation between us and him and he sent down his only begotten son here on this earth to live this perfect and holy life and as an example to you and i but then jesus saw that our sins separated and that our god was righteous and there was a penalty that needed to be paid and so what did jesus do he literally stepped in and took our spot And every beating, every bruise, every whip, every nail, every thorn that was meant for us, he paid that cost. And he was put on that cross. And he was crucified. He died. And they put him in the grave. But the cool thing about Jesus, other than any other God that is celebrated on this earth, Jesus is more powerful and he became victorious over sin and death so that you can have victory in your eternal life if you would just take a stand for him. So if that's you and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm not going to ask people to close their eyes by their head. No, no, this is a moment that we're going to celebrate And just to build your faith, five stood last service. Five stood last service. So if that's you, and you want a relationship with Jesus, you want to repent and have a new life in Him, will you stand in one, two, three? Stand up right now. Don't be shy, don't be scared. Oh, come on! Oh, come on, church! Come on, church! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church.